You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jonathan Mayo. Jim Callis is on a vacation far away. Uh, which if you've ever heard Jim's ringtone, you will know why I say that. Um, <laughs> Jonathan has heard it many times in, in mid-conversation. Uh, and we will also have a special guest on the show. One of the best, if not the best, draft prospect in the 2022 class, Tamar Johnson, is going to join us on today's show. And we may have a little surprise for Tamar as well. Uh, and uh, we're a little later, we'll talk about some breakout prospects from the 2021 season. We did a story uh, back in January predicting uh, who might break out in 2021. And now we're going to look back and see how those predictions panned out. And uh, in cases where the guy uh, was not the breakout prospect for his team, we'll take a look at who was. And then we'll wrap up, as we always do, by answering a question from the mailbag. So, Jonathan, we've been teasing the top 100 draft prospects list for the past couple of weeks. You and Jim have uh, been working on this for months now. Um, and really, that goes back, you know, even farther than just the past couple of months, uh, you know, seeing these guys play. Um, but really have been uh, digging into the list over the past couple of months. It's finally out. You can see it at MLB.com slash pipeline. And. For me, this is a really, really fun list. Um, starting at the top, you have Drew Jones, who, yes, is Andrew Jones Jr., son of the 10-time Gold Glover, uh, Braves legend, and from the looks of things, is a very similar player. Um, exceptional defensive player, uh, and just has some incredible tools all across the board. Uh, he's at the top, followed by Termar Johnson, who's going to join us here in just a little bit, who uh, Jim Callis has, has been fond of asking the question, is he the best high school hitting prospect in decades? He may be. We have Elijah Green at number three, who, you know, talking about the tools on Drew Jones, Elijah Green uh, can almost match him in terms of having those exceptional tools across the board. Uh, I think probably one of the best athletes we've seen at the top of a draft class in a while. Uh, he is followed by Jacob Berry at number four, third baseman from LSU. Brooks Lee is number five, a shortstop from Cal Poly. Jace Young, uh, the younger brother of Josh Young, is uh, second baseman at Texas Tech. Brock Jones, outfielder from Stanford, is number seven. Chase DeLauder, uh, outfielder from James Madison, is number eight. Dylan Lesko is the first pitcher on the list. A high school right-hander out of Buford, Georgia. He's number nine. And rounding out the top ten is Gavin Cross, an outfielder from Virginia Tech. Um, like I said, to me, a very exciting list, especially those first three names at the top. Just some exceptional uh, high school uh, hitters there. Yeah, and there, there's not that much separating any of them. I was going to jokingly call into question that you were calling into question the order by teasing at the top that Tamar Johnson might be the best player and we have him at number two. But I I really think that we could have lined up the top three in any order, but particularly the top two in Drew Jones and, and Tamar Johnson. And uh, I, 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 the only reason I think that Jones is ahead of, of Johnson uh is because of of the position, right? He's he's a center fielder. He's going to play center field for the entirety of his career, I would think. Uh, you know, has a chance to add some more gold gloves to the Jones family uh, shelf. Um, and Tamar Johnson is probably going to be a second baseman. Now, I think he has a chance to be a very good second baseman. Uh, I know that he, you know, loves playing shortstop. But I, you know, most people don't see him playing shortstop uh, at the next level, and I think that is the only 
thing that really separates them. You know, uh, Tamar Johnson, he's such a special hitter, uh, as you alluded to, that that made it very close. I mean, I, I can't remember ever having a high school second baseman ranked highly. Now, he plays shortstop in high school, you know, but he's played second on, on a lot of showcase events and things like that. And then Elijah Green, who probably has the highest ceiling, mostly because the his, his power is, is absolutely ridiculous, but it comes with a little bit of swing and miss. Uh, and there are some concerns from some scouts. Uh, you know, I think if he goes out in the spring and hits, then those questions will be answered. Uh, he's at IMG Academy in Florida, so he's going to face good competition. You know, I, 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 I think that, you know, Drew Jones has a higher floor. I think there's a little more certainty. Elijah Green's ceiling uh, is, is probably higher. You know, if it all clicks, uh, his raw power is so ridiculous that we're, we're looking at a guy who's, you know, not only can run and play, you know, plus defense, but, you know, could hit 30, 40 homers a year. So, you know, uh, and then you have the, the, the college bats all in a row after that. And, you know, the biggest thing I think just looking at the top 10 is the fact that you know, we said that Dylan Lesko is the first, the first pitcher on this list. And he's a high school right-hander, which is that, you know, that part of the, the, the draft class that is always deemed the most risky. Uh, so it's very bat heavy. Uh, you know, the, the college arms that you usually look for, uh, there are a bunch of question marks. There have been some injuries to some of the top guys. Some of those guys will undoubtedly filter up as we, as we move ahead here. Uh, you know, this canon will change, but right now I don't remember having three high school guys this exciting at the top of a, of a draft list at this point in time. Yeah, let's let's talk about these three just a little bit more. So, starting with Drew Jones, uh, you you talked about how Tamar Johnson uh, likes to play shortstop, played high, uh, shortstop in high school. Drew Jones, also an exceptional shortstop, mm-hmm. um, a, a guy who uh, has played shortstop, and and scouts say that they've you know watched him take infield, and he has the tools and actions to be fine at shortstop as well, but he's just so good in the outfield um, that that's where he's going to be. His tools, uh, you're talking about Elijah Green and uh, Drew Jones, their their tools. Uh, Drew Jones with a 55-hit tool, uh, Elijah Green with a 50-hit tool, and I think that's probably uh, where that separation between the two comes in for the most part because they both, both have 60 power. Both have 70 run tools. Um, Jones with a slightly better arm in, uh, in terms of our uh, tool grades at 65 compared to Green's 60. Uh, while Green is a 60 fielder and Jones a 70 fielder. So you can see a little separation in the arm and the fielding tools. But I, I think that the, the hit tool there, the difference there is probably the, the biggest yeah. factor in the separation between the two. Right. And, and, you know, this isn't scientific, you know, this is, you know, Jim and I kind of in a conglomeration of talking to a lot of different scouts, putting together these grades and even the grades that the scouts put on them, it's going to, they're, they're going to differ, you know, could you, could you have given Elijah Green a, a, a higher power tool? Yes. Uh, I think I hedged very slightly just because of that, the small question about the hit tool. Well, will he get to the power? Um, so it's, you, you get to splitting hairs a little bit with some of the grades. So there really is very little separating uh, them. And they're like, this class is just, there are a lot of really exciting, not just at the top, but like throughout uh, very toolsy high school, um, you know, guys who play, who can play up the middle and you know, Drew Jones, if he weren't that good at center field, it's kind of the opposite. You know, often you have a guy who starts at short and you're like, oh, well, he's so athletic and maybe the arm's a little bit shy and he doesn't have the good infield actions. Let's throw him out in center field, sort of the, the Adam Jones uh, sort of path. And Adam Jones was a shortstop all through the minor leagues right up till when he got to the big leagues. And then he got moved out to center field and ended up being a very good center fielder, but I, I, you know, I would be tempted, you know, to have Drew Jones play shortstop because, uh, you know, that that's hard to find too, but you know, he's going to be up the middle anyway. I was 
was talking to uh, a scout who runs a you know a scout team in Florida that he played on, and and uh, and Drew Jones played th- actually played a game at third base, you know, and looked absolutely comfortable there. So uh, it, it would be interesting to sort of reverse that, but I think he's like as you said, he's he's so good in the outfield uh, and and in, in center that you, you don't. I don't think you mess with that, but it would be interesting to see him try it out at the next level. And a little interesting nugget on him. The reason he did not play shortstop in high school was because. Oh, because Jeff Blauser's kid is on the same team as him. Right. Yeah. So, so Drew Jones, uh, son of Andrew Jones, didn't play shortstop because the son of Jeff Blauser was playing there. And then uh, Elijah Green is the son of former NFL Pro Bowl tight end Eric Green. And uh, we talked about the difference in the hit tool between Jones and Green. And I, th- I think there's some question on Green's bat and being able to get to that uh, massive raw power that you talked about uh, because of the strikeout rate in high school, which for a, a high school hitter ranked this high, uh, his, his strikeout rate, um, not something that you would normally see with a player ranked this high. Right. And, it, you know, and you can you can parse the, the data, uh, you know, quite a bit. Jim and I. Uh, spend probably too much time on synergy, uh, which a lot of the teams use. Uh, and you know, it's not even just strikeout rate. You know, you could look over the all the different summer events to see what his uh, just what his swing and miss rate is on any given kind of pitch, right? So, does he struggle with breaking stuff? Does he still struggle with velocity, ninety miles per hour or higher? And 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 there were some signs where you know his. His whiff rate um, was, you know, a little concerning. Uh, you know, with velocity up in the zone, that kind of th- that kind of thing. Not so much where you know you're splitting hairs, and and you know people need to keep in mind that when teams are considering taking a guy, number one, number two, number two, three, whatever it is, you're you're really going to pick them apart. Uh, you know, in in trying to find potential holes because you want to be as sure as you possibly can you know uh, like Bryce Harper was you know no doubt about it in the number one pick in the 2010 draft like everyone knew it but the Washington Nationals and other teams picking it up were still picking them apart like if you would have a conversation with a scout in a given day you'd be like wait you're talking about Bryce Harper I mean like so we're, you know, they're really going to dig in on Elijah Green. And, I, you know, I, I don't think it's such a concern where people think that he, you know, he's going to str- really struggle to hit. Um, but they will be watching him very carefully in the spring, and he's going to face a lot of good pitching competition at IMG Academy. So, they'll, you know, I think those questions will be as answered as questions can be about a high school player making the, the jump to the pro game before – you know, a team decides to take them in that, you know, the top three to five picks. All right. We've talked about uh, the top three on the list in detail. You talked a little bit about the college bats that come next. Uh, Dylan Lesko, the top pitching prospect on the list. Uh, Let's scroll down the list a bit more. And why don't you tell us about some of the guys uh, on the list that are most intriguing to you? I know we've got Cam Collier at number 21, uh, another uh, MLB legacy. Uh, He reclassified uh, to be in this year's draft. We've got uh, on the other end of the spectrum, the uh, oldest player on the list would be Kumar Rocker, who everyone knows, Hmm. obviously, at this point. Um, But a very interesting situation uh, with him. He is number 31 on this year's list, which is a considerable drop from where he was last year. Uh, we have the youngest player on the list. Uh, do you know how that, do you know who that is without looking? Uh, it's gotta be Walter Ford, right? Walter Ford, the one 16 year old on the list. He's number 36 and we have a switch pitcher, which I'm not sure we've, uh, I don't think we've ever had on a top 100 draft prospects. list. Well, before. I, so I do think that a number of years ago and I'm, I want to say it was Carlos Cortez when he was in high school, but I may be misremembering slightly uh, a guy who was able to throw with both hands and, and, and would do that. Uh, he, you know, played the outfield, played second base 
but could pitch left-handed. But I he wasn't specifically a switch pitcher. So let me start with that because he's he's number one hundred uh, on on our list. Uh, I I got to sneak in a mention of him at the end of the the network special, uh, which I was glad. Gerangelo uh, Saint Jay, and uh, I think he goes by Low, which is good. Which is <laughs> right. <laughs> His last name is C I J N T J E. Yeah, man. It's like if you have a triple word score, you're golden. Um, and, uh, I, I did, I had to do some digging to make sure that I had his name correctly. We do, you know, voiceovers, the video, and he, it was dangerously close to one of those, you know, the old Tim McMaster trick, which was, he does this, the pitcher does that. Um, but I'm like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it. So shout out to Darren Sutton. Cause I found a, I think he, cause he pitched in the perfect game, all American classic. And so I, I got it from there. And then I actually talked to, uh, low St. J himself to make sure. And so we got it right. He's fascinating because he's, you know, he's a little undersized. Um, so people aren't exactly sure what, what he is, but right-handed he's mid nineties, like legit up to 95, um, you know, sits low nineties, uh, throws a decent, you know, a, a good sharp breaking ball left-handed. He's more like upper eighties touching 90. So, but there's probably a little more in the tank just cause he's, you know, he's a high schooler can spin a breaking ball from the left side also. So he's, he's a legitimate ambidextrous pitcher. I mean, he, uh, you know, threw with, with both arms during that perfect game classic. Uh, this is not just a sort of gimmick. You know, I, I think he's, if I were a team taking him, uh, I, I would give him, every chance to to do both and you know i think that if he goes on to mississippi state he'll get a chance to continue to do both i I think it's a legitimate weapon and then the other guy that you know you really that you brought up i was going to talk about walter ford because there are a few of these guys that have kind of reclassified um i mean uh cam collier is one and walter ford is another uh and he was in alabama and they went back to uh Pace High School in Florida, which is where he was originally from. Um, He is the high school arm that I'm keeping a very close eye on just because he's, he's projectable. He's six, two, six, three. You know, I think he's, there's more in the tank. He's already got a a fastball that was up to 97, you know, shorter stints in summer showcase circuit. Uh, He's got a really good low 80 slider. He's got some feel for a changeup. He's pretty athletic. He repeats his delivery. Um, he's going to be really young. It's just that, you know, scouts have, haven't really watched him that closely because they're focused so much on the next draft class. They saw him. He was on, you know, all the showcase uh, events. So he's going to be scouted very heavily in the spring. And I think that if his stuff keeps ticking up, he shows that he can maintain his stuff while throwing strikes. This is a guy who is going to move up this list. Uh, and I heard he's at 36 right now. You know, I don't think he's going to catch up to Dylan Lesko, but I think he could be a guy who fits into that that first round. And, you know, one of the things I think we've touched on, Jason, a little bit are, you know, the the models that teams have. All of them have some s- form of a computer model where a lot of data gets put in um, from physical attributes uh, to stuff to age. Um, and sometimes I think it, it can be a detriment. You know, a lot of teams, for instance, wouldn't take Brett Beatty now with the Mets because he was too old. They automatically would discount him. The fact that Walter Ford is will only be 17 come draft time is going to work in his favor, assuming he checks off all those other boxes. So he's he's a real interesting one for me to watch. All right. And let's quickly take a look at some of the top tools in this class, we already talked about the hit tool of Tamar Johnson. He has uh, received a 70 grade for his hit tool. The first time uh, that we've ever given out a 70 hit tool uh, to someone on the draft uh, top 100 draft prospects list. Uh, we talked about the 70 run grades of Drew Jones and Elijah Green. Uh, they are at the top of that list, along with Gavin Turley, uh, an outfielder from Hamilton High School in Arizona. Um, as well as Justin Crawford, an outfielder from Bishop Gorman High School in Nevada. You could be familiar with both of those high schools. Uh, 
Bishop Gorman. That is, uh, a, is that a baseball powerhouse or have we just had some, some big names? Oh, no, it's definitely a baseball powerhouse. But yes, I mean, there have been some big names. You know, Joey Gallo is probably the one people uh, are most familiar with right now. Um, so, uh, but yeah, no, they are, they are a powerhouse and they constantly have good draft talent. Um, and to add to the, we feel old because of the, the MLB bloodlines of guys that we remember, like I remember covering Andrew Jones, Justin Crawford is Carl Crawford's son. So just to add to that. And then you mentioned Hamilton high school from Arizona, which is of course where Cody Bellinger went to high school. Right. So a lot of, a lot of MLB blood running through those schools. Uh, in terms of the best arms on the list, we have a catcher, Logan Tanner from Mississippi state with a 70 grade arm along with third baseman, Nolan McLean of Oklahoma state, uh, Nazia Muley, a shortstop slash pitcher out of Passaic County tech in, uh, New Jersey and Adonis Guzman, another catcher out of Brunswick high school in Connecticut. Uh, and then we talked about the fielding grade of 70 of, uh, Drew Jones. He is the only player on the list with a 70 fielding grade, um, pitchers, Best fastballs on the list, Brock Porter, a right-handed pitcher from St. Mary's Prep in Michigan. Reggie Crawford, a uh, left-handed pitcher out of UConn. Muley, previously mentioned. Uh, best curveball on the list belongs to Peyton Paulette of Arkansas. Uh, have a few 70-grade sliders. Connor Prelip, also of Arkansas. Landon Sims, Mississippi State. And uh, old friend Kumar Rocker. And then uh, best changeup on the list, Dylan Lesko and Carson Weisenhunt of East Carolina uh, with a 65 grade changeup. And then a bunch of guys with control grades of 55 won't list all of them, but uh, Jonathan, anyone in particular there that uh, is, is specifically intriguing to you? Yeah, I think there are sort of a few things to sort of pick out. Uh, you know, Moulet, obviously you can see why he's listed as the, you know, one of the top arms. Um, and I, and I like, you know, that we have two catchers on there in Tanner and, and Guzman. Nolan McClain, the other 70 arm, is also a guy who, you know, has pitched in the past and has been up to 95. So you sort of seen it on the mound as well as position. I think in terms of the pitching grades, the two things stand out. One is uh, is Dylan Lesko. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't remember ever having a high school pitcher having the top changeup in the class, you know, he's tied with Car uh, Carson Wisenhunt from East Carolina, but uh, that stood out. And then, you know, one of the things that's so, you know, interesting and hard to figure out is, you know, some of these guys who have the the best grades and some of their pitches are the college arms who many of whom have, um, who have um, injury question marks right so you have from the from the fastball standpoint reggie crawford who's left-handed and could throw 100 but just had tommy john surgery so he's not going to throw a pitch for uconn this year you've got connor prelip who's got one of the best sliders at arkansas who uh, had tommy john surgery last spring and maybe he'll be ready in time to pitch in like you know, some some summer ball or the draft league or something like that uh, but you won't see much of him uh, Kumar Rocker, as we've talked about, uh, you know, unbelievable power stuff, but because of what happened with him and not signing with the Mets, there are going to be a lot of question marks about his health that will have to be answered. And even Landon Sims, who's got a ridiculous slider, he's healthy, uh, but he is never started. People may remember him from being absolutely ridiculous as a shutdown closer for Mississippi State during their uh, their run last year, uh, you know, it'll be, I think it's going to be fun to watch him and see how he does in making the transition to starting, but we don't know what that looks like because we haven't seen him do that really since high school. All right. You're listening to the MLB pipeline podcast. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk to the owner of the best hit tool on this list. That being Tamar Johnson. We'll do that next right after this. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jonathan Mayo, and we are extremely pleased to have the number two prospect on the top 100 draft prospects list, Tamar Johnson. And Tamar, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, Tamar, so we've been talking about this list for weeks now. Uh, Jonathan and Jim Callis have been working on it uh, for, I would say, months. Um, we saw you at the high school All-American game uh, on All-Star Weekend. Uh, you put on an extremely impressive performance there. Uh, we're certainly on our radar from that point, but uh, I know, you know, Jim and Jonathan, when they were putting this list together, and if you, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the, watch the show on MLB Network, um, but throughout the process of putting the list together, they were saying that, you know, at the top, these guys are interchangeable at the very top. And uh, I know you and uh, Drew Jones are close, and you were very close in uh, the construction of this list at the top. Uh, I think you've been number one on some other lists. You guys have to have a pretty uh, a pretty good little friendly competition here, don't you? <laughs> I mean, um, I mean to be honest with you, not really. You know, um, me, Drew, and Elijah. You know, we all root for each other. Um, I'm happy that Drew got the recognition he deserves. He definitely deserves it. He's worked really hard for it, and I'm glad he got it. Um, you know, for us, we really just you know kind of root each other on. You know, we sometimes train with each other. Whenever somebody's down, we try to give them some, you know, some friendly advice. And, you know, that's just a good thing about us. Now, I know you guys are close. Uh, And speaking of close, when I, you know, read about you, uh, where you're from, what you're all about, everything I see, it seems like this is your experience is a big family experience. Uh, I read that your father, Terry, introduced you to T-ball when you were three years old. Uh, you have two older brothers who it sounds like are extremely involved in uh, your baseball experience. Uh, Tervant, uh, I believe your yeah. oldest brother, is a coach uh, yeah, and a volunteer coach at Georgia Tech where your other brother, Tervell, is on scholarship to play baseball. And it sounds like they're extremely involved in, in you in your uh, experience with baseball. And then I read that your mom, Kim, you said that she's basically your rock. Of course, she is. Can you, can you talk a little bit about uh, how each of these members of your family have been involved in, in you getting to the point where you are now? Um, they've been a big part of me being where I am now. Um, they always give me constructive criticism. You know, their word goes a long way. Um, they're great role models. Um, they just show me how to go about things the right way. And um, they've always been great. You know, um, they are the people that I trust. And they are the people that I look for whenever I'm down. And they are the people that always are there when I'm up. So um, I really appreciate you know, Trevant, um, Travell, even my other brother Terrence, and my parents, my grandparents, my whole family, they're just the greatest support system I could ever have. And, you know, when you go in this 
just stuff, you know, you know, being away from home sometimes and, you know, not having the chance to see them as much, you know, they're still there. And I really appreciate them for being there and always being there for me. You know, tomorrow we, we haven't been able to see you on the field that much. As Jason mentioned, you know, we did see you in Denver and you, you, you said, you know, when you're up, uh, you know, and when you're down, they're always there. Are you ever down? I mean, you, you had so much energy. Now, granted that that time in Denver was, it was a really special time and it was clearly a, a lot of fun, but from everything I've heard there, you know, you always have that kind of energy uh, on, on the field. Uh, is that, is that something that just comes naturally because you love playing so much? Like where, where did that all come from? Um, for one, you know, it's kind of like my playground. Like I said, I, I love being on the field. I love playing baseball. And, um, you know, I just have, I'm always having a good attitude, whatever I'm on the field, because, you know, you never know when it's just the last day um, to ever play. So, you know, I just love being on the field. I always keep that smile because, you know, when you, when you, um, you're doing something you love, you can never be frowning about it. So it's really thing with me. Um, you know, the energy has always been there. You know, I, I, I tend to know if you have the energy, you know, guys around you tend to play better and they tend to attract to you. So that's always been the biggest thing for me. You got to be um, a better teammate and um, work together with the team in order to win. So that's been the thing with me. One of the things, uh, and I think uh, during your your visit with us uh, on the MLB Network show, Greg Amsinger asked you about, uh, and obviously people talk about your your ability to hit, but was your your power. And I will say, um, you know, there is proof of this because you could go back and listen to the the home run derby broadcast. Uh, you were my pick to to win the derby just because I had been watching you take BP. It, it just. I, obviously, you know, home run derby is not a, a reflection of fair play baseball, but like <laughs> how much do you enjoy kind of surprising people? Uh, and I guess sort of the, the sort of second part of that is, and it's a question I love talking to guys who are sort of perceived as quote unquote being undersized, you know, do you use that as motivation uh, and have you, you know, throughout your life or, you know, maybe you you know, now people know who you are, but there probably were times where you would show up in the field and people probably thought that you weren't, you weren't big enough, you weren't strong enough, what, whatever the enough was. Uh, how much do you use that to fuel what you do on the field? Um, for one, I like it. You know, um, I'm aware that I'm not really the strongest, I'm the strongest guy or the tallest guy on the field. But um, for me, it's something I just can't control. Um what I can control is my performance and how I go about everything that I do. So, you know, I try to control that thing. So, um, you know, it, it could be used as motivation, but um, at the end of the day, you know, it really doesn't matter to me because at the end of the day, my um, success and the way I go about everything is going to be a reflection of who I am. Hey, Tamar, uh So talked about your father introducing you to T-ball at the age of three, I don't expect that you actually have many memories about that, but what are, what are some of your first baseball memories? I'm kind of curious. Have you always been a left-handed hitter? Have you, have you, have you hit both ways or when did you start hitting left-handed? Do you do anything else left-handed? I know you throw right-handed. Yeah, of course. Um, as far as I can remember, um, the first memory I have in my mind, I've always swung on the left-handed side. Seen my brothers swing on the left-handed side, so I thought that was just the right way to hit. You know, I had one brother who was right-handed, but I thought he was just hitting the right the wrong way. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't really know. So, but um, I remember the first memory I had was we were in the house. Um, me and my brothers, we always played baseball in the house. We had this little space in the house where we put we have our little um mini baseball games, two on two, and um. My dad was probably about 10, probably about really close, about five feet away from me. And um, he was just throwing it as hard as he can. And, uh, you know, I was frustrated because I couldn't hit it. It was so fast. But it kind of gave me motivation to do it, like to want to, you know, get to a point where I can hit it. And um, it's kind of made me, a better person, you know, sometimes just when you don't, when you don't do something the first time, doesn't mean that you quit. 
you just keep on doing it until you can. So um, that's probably the first memory from when my dad has introduced me to baseball. But um, always through the house, me and my brothers would just be playing baseball all day, every day. And if it wasn't baseball, we'd be playing basketball. And if it wasn't basketball, we'd be throwing the football around. So we were just we were um, very active kids. Hey, you mentioned throwing the football around. I was curious. Do you uh, do you or have you played any other sports outside of baseball, or is this your yeah, singular course. focus? Of course. Um, you know, I, I played every probably every sport: soccer, football, baseball. You know, I've tried probably probably everything, but um, you know. Those sports never stick with me because, you know, I love baseball so much. And um, I did love those other sports. I enjoyed it. But for me, I just didn't want to um, jeopardize anything that was going on in baseball. So I just had to, you know, put that down because I say I get hurt in basketball. I'm going to be mad because I can't play in baseball season. So it was just I just put everything down and focus on baseball. So that was my thing. So yours was actually a, pl- a house where it was encouraged to play ball in the house. You know, normally that's like, don't play ball in the house. But um. Well, I mean, of course my mom and my dad didn't like it because it would be, <laughs> well, um, you know, rough up some things. But you can't stop us. They, they couldn't stop all four of us, especially we just love to play it so much. So they just had to deal with it. And if we um, messed up anything in the house, we'll just have to suffer the consequences. At a certain point in time, you realize that you had them four on two. So, you know. Exactly. Four on two, exactly. You can't, they can't get all of us. They might get some of us, but they can't get all of us. It's one of those parenting things that once you have more than two kids and, and, you know, both parents are there, then you you go from playing man to man to zone. Exactly. That's all you could do. Exactly. Exactly. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, you know, I I wanted to to ask a a little bit uh, about, um, some of the, the you know the major league baseball initiatives that uh you know we'll, we'll get back to because i want to talk about i think there's gonna be a whole generation of people now who dads are going to start throwing you know not, you know as hard as they can from five feet away because clearly that taught you how to hit but i wanted to ask you about the impact that um some of the major league baseball initiatives have had on your baseball development on being seen we touched on it a little i think harold asked you about it on the, on the network show but you know just uh, the the amount of different programs that you've been able to participate in, uh, the Atlanta Braves RBI program, the Elite Developmental Invitational, yep. uh, which is now the Hank Aaron Invitational, the Breakthrough Series, the Dream Series. You know, um, over the years, you, you've done the Breakthrough Series a few times. Yes, um, what have those opportunities afforded you? Uh, and and do you think that you, you know, obviously Georgia baseball now is 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 red hot, especially this year. I think there's just so much talent there, but like how much do you think that's impacted how much you've been, been seen and led to things like playing, you know, in, in Denver last summer? Um, well, for one, um, you know, I get nothing but great memories from being part of those events, RBI to breakthrough series to Hank Aaron to dream series. Um, you know, just being a part of those events has taught me a lot about me as a player and um, it's give me more motivation to get where I want to go. You know, um, just watching how Latroy Hawkins and Marquise Grissom, or you know, you know, instructors like that, Ron Washington, just watching how they go about everything and how they want to teach me how to go about everything, it gave me a sense of happiness. Of you know, it's it's, it's more it's more of me like out there, and. Uh, for sure, it's just been amazing. Um, they've given me a lot, you know, build relationships. I feel like, um, you know, without getting seen through Breakthrough Series, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. And um, I thank them for everything. They've took me under their wing, and they've taught me how to be a better person, better player, and, you know, they've always been room for me, and I appreciate them for that. Let me I'll follow up on that just, just quickly. Um you know, because obviously this is something that Major League Baseball, uh, you know, has not done well over the years and is trying to do better just in terms of bringing, uh, you know, more young black players to the sport. You know, some would say who've been around for a back to the sport. Um, 
you know, how much do you see that as, as being, you know, an important part of the game? And, and how much are you looking forward to once you, you know, assuming everything goes well and you, you, you begin your pro career, even if it's after college, uh, you know, being able to help be an ambassador uh, to communities that maybe have been underserved and, and, and underutilized by, by baseball? Um, you know, I, I, I definitely want to give back. That's been my only thing, you know, when, you know, baseball isn't forever and, uh, you know, just seeing how breakthrough series and how they go about everything and how they want to give back. And I just want to, I want to do that because I know how important it is. I know how important it was for me and I know how important it is for kids in the future. So, um, you know, every chance, even now, every chance just to go to a clinic and help out some nine-year-olds or, you know, just um help out my brother, help out my brother in a couple clinics, or you know, just go meet a couple kids. Those go a long way, and uh, you know, I just whenever baseball is over, I definitely want to give back, whether it's make my own thing or you know do breakthrough series and do all the other camps that are yet to be made. Tomorrow we are recording this uh, on a. Tuesday morning and I know that when we set this up there was question about whether we'd be able to make it work because it was during a school day and I know that is something that you take very seriously uh if I'm not mistaken you have a what is it a I don't know where what what exactly it is now but a 4.3 GPA uh and I know uh you, you know, one of your brothers is working on a master's degree at Georgia Tech. Is that correct? He, he has he has his master's degree. He graduated last year. Wow. OK. Yeah. Uh, and uh, well, as a matter of fact, we we have a guest that we wanted to bring on here. A bit of a surprise for you. Uh, yeah. We actually have your brother, Trevon, uh, who we wanted to bring on sure. and add a little extra perspective here for us. What up, bud? Can you hear me? Hey, How there. what's up, bro? How you doing? Good, hey, Trevon, thanks very much for taking some time out to join us here today. We know uh, you've got a lot of things going on, but uh, we've been talking to Tamar already quite a bit about how much his family is involved uh, in and has been involved in getting him to the point where he is now. I would imagine you have to be extremely proud. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm very proud of him for a number of things. Um it's not easy being the youngest of four boys and also being the youngest of four boys, he has taken that, um, his position of being the youngest and turned into, um, I guess, quote unquote, I'm being on top now, <laughs> you know, walk across the stage in June to be a top draft pick. So that's very exciting for him. Sorry, I got very excited there. I'm, I'm glad that you're here with us. Uh, this is, this is Jonathan Mayo. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. I wanted to ask you from your from your vantage point, you know, when when did the brothers realize? I guess it's you know sort of two part. When did you realize that Tremar was the best baseball player of of the four of you? And how long after that did you wait to to tell him that you knew? Um, it's funny. I didn't think he was the best player until I stopped playing because we're in the same competition. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um. I knew at Sandtown Park at six years old, my brother Tavelle, who's not at Georgia Tech, was playing seven to eight-year-old baseball. And Tamar came up and played up. They put him in left field, and he caught a diving catch, diving from behind the fence at six years old. And he got up, then showboat, ran in, and was serious. And I was confused on why he didn't is understand what he just did. And um, he kept doing that as the years playing up with Tavelle, doing that and surprising every once in a while. And um, like, he just knew that he had it. Like, he didn't know what it was at that point, being young as well as him. But I mean, like, he just knew that he had a summer or worry about himself. So that's, that's one of your first memories of Tamar uh, showing what he had and that he was a special talent. Do you have any, particular moments, uh, maybe a little later on, I anything that you've seen him do uh, that has just stunned you or made you realize he's the real deal? Um, that's your showcase. I had a, um, I was a good player, but I had a problem showing up on the big stage when you only have those eyes on looking at you that one time. Um, he was doing good last year, playing up, 
but natural showcase i just didn't i just didn't know what was going to do at that big stage and everything um to the point that i didn't even follow the natural showcase um then i get on twitter and i see him on blasting balls at the catwalk and everything <laughs> Then I realized that I'm missing something good. Then I hear that he's a home run the same that next day and everything. After that, I just knew the rest was history, because that was for real for me. So you were you were so nervous about him being on the big stage that you you couldn't bear to watch. Yeah, I couldn't bear to watch. No sir. <laughs> <laughs> Tamar, I know that. I mean, you know, it sounds like you know, as we've talked about, your whole family has has impacted you. Uh, I know with Tervant, you sort of model your your game after him and you also train with him a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the impact of, of having, you know, a, an older brother who you've been able to sort of model your game after, and also just kind of the way he's gone about his post baseball playing business is probably something that's impacted you as well. Well, for sure. Um, for one, Teron knows this. Um, my game is his game. We're literally the same person when we get on the baseball field, and I got it from him. So um, definitely he's just showed me how to, you know, be a good baseball player because he was a good baseball player. And um, just um, seeing how he goes about everything now just gives me motivation to, you know, when I'm done playing, you know, make an impact on um, kids because I know how important it is to me for him to be training me and um you know, be be in the cage every day and helping me out on the field and just helping me with the little things. So I, I, it gives me motivation to just do that. And I appreciate appreciate that because um, without him, you know, probably would be – I don't know where I would be. You know, I would just be – I wouldn't have the motivation or I wouldn't have that support system that I have now to make me a good – a better player. All right, Trevon, now's the time that you, you can sort of spill the tea. And, you know, are there times where you've had to sort of get on Tamar? I, I, I get the sense that Tamar shows up pretty much every 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 time. But have there have there been times where, as the older brother, you have to take him to task to, to make sure he's getting his work in? Uh, I never had to take him to task to get his work in. Um, we do get into um, is he discussion and arguments. Uh, for example, um, we got <laughs> one last week um, just leaving the cage, and we outside – in the dark at six o'clock from like seven o'clock is talking about hitting talking about life in general or people are walking by and we don't even mind people in any business because we just going at it trying to figure things out because we understand what he wants to do and we understand the magnitude of what it takes and it's bigger than a draft spot in june or july whatever the tba decides is it's bigger than that his goal is to be he told you guys always to be a hall of famer and to play for a very long time there's a certain type of a way that you got to go about it that i didn't understand until I put my cleats down and now that I get it I'm trying to dispel that to him and all my brothers so they aren't like me because they don't have to go through what I went through trying to figure it out because they see what happens when you don't do certain things to get to work towards your goal and everything hey guys I I know um you know tomorrow you have not uh committed to a college program and it seems highly likely that that may not end up uh, being an being anything that you have to be concerned with. But with Trevant, uh, a volunteer coach at Georgia Tech, and Travell playing at Georgia Tech, are, are we getting any pressure there? Are we getting any any recruiting from the brothers? Um, they definitely do not try to um, invade in those things because at the end of the day, it's um, my decision. You know, um, um, at the end of the day, you know, it it would be cool to to play with them and, and stuff like that, but um, you know, if it's it has to be a great fit for me, it has to be a great fit for me at the end of the day. And um, you know, if the if the shoe fits, then you know, definitely gonna wear it. But you know, at the end of the day, it just has to be a great fit for me. So they don't try to invade it or anything like that, or try to do any extra recruiting. They know at the end of the day it's going to be about me and if it, if it's a good fit for me. And they understand if it's not a good fit for me, then it just, would, it just wouldn't happen. I guess, tomorrow for me, the, the sort of follow-up to, to what I asked your brother is, you know, when, when did you realize that you were the, the best brother? Or, uh, or, or is, that, is that something that you kind of keep to yourself? Uh, maybe, maybe you believe Tremont was, was uh, 
better than than you and until he put his cleats down well ever since i was a kid i thought i was the best brother um i you know gotta have that confidence when you're in the house full of four boys and everybody's you were doing competitions who's gonna hit the most home runs or stolen bases or (laughs) the less errors so yet um me honestly i you always had to have that confidence that i'm the best in the house and want to beat you out and everything like that but um honestly for me um me as just being one of the better players I kind of figured that out when I was um 13 you know I'm playing with um trying to try out for the 15U national team um I was I was scared I didn't know um how good I was and I wasn't playing like how good I was and um got a hit versus Luke Lito you guys might know him he was throwing about 92 that day, and that was the first time I saw 90, and I got a hit the first pitch that he threw to me. And I was like, wow, I could you know, I could probably do this for a long time. And, and I was happy from there on out and just gave me the confidence. Yeah, bat speed has not been a problem from what I've seen from you, Tamar. So uh, you, you learned that at age 13, evidently. Yeah I, yeah, I learned that at age 13. I mean, I feel like, I, you know, playing with a bunch of 13-year-olds, you know, you could – you can get away with it with the drop five and stuff like that. But once you start swinging the big boy bats, you really don't know how good you are. But I, you know, got kind of gained the confidence when you, when I um, got down to USA. I actually have a non-baseball question for, for both of you. Cause you know, it sounds like it was, you know, a lot of sports, a, a lot of the time, which, which makes some, some sense with four boys, all of whom played sports with like, what does the Johnson family do? What do the Johnson brothers do when they're not playing baseball or whatever sport? You want to answer that question, Tavon? Um, playing baseball. If it's on the game, if it's playing in the house, well, we're too old to play in the house now, but it was playing the house, playing the game. If it was <laughs> playing the cage, it's just baseball because, I mean – I don't know. It just baseball just did something to us, and it just and we just stuck with it and just stuck onto it. And um, I say it to everybody that tomorrow just a link on a long chain who very aware of his calling and what he does, and that's why he is who he is. It's not by mistake. It's not by luck or chance. Like he really, he's really in tune with what he's doing, and that's what makes him so special. And that's the part that people can't explain, and that's why I'm I'm verbalizing. So it's all baseball all the time in the in the Johnson house. Hey, uh, Jamar, wanted to uh, ask you, uh, you know, several of the, you mentioned uh, getting a hit off of Luke Lito at 92, first time you'd seen 90. Uh, looking at this top 100 draft prospects list, there is a ton of high school talent from Georgia. And I know you know a lot of these guys we talked already about, uh, Drew Jones, uh Dylan Lesko is the top pitching prospect on the list. He's from Buford. Um, there are a number of other uh, players from the Georgia high school ranks on this list. Um, I don't know. Hayden Murphy, Jared Jones, uh, RJ Austin, who I know you know quite well. Uh, how, about a, how about a quick scouting report on a few of these guys? Drew Jones, what's your, uh, what's your take on him? Um, Drew Jones, athletic, high ceiling, you know, definitely has time to grow in his frame, but already a great player, um, great attitude, um, can hit at a high level, can play at a high level, um, best defensive shortstop I've ever seen, has, um, you know, took away some of my hits, which I don't like, but, you know, he's <laughs> if, if it's anybody, it's going to be Drew. Um, RJ. Once again, very, very athletic, um, has a good sense of what he's doing, um, can hit at a high level, can play at a high level, you know, um, plays the game very fast, you know, plays on his own um, kind of time clock and, uh, you know, could definitely be an all-star in the big leagues. Um, Dylan has some of the best control. I've seen in um, a high school pitcher, you know, I've seen, I've been, I always follow high school pitchers even since I was 10 years old. So um, Dylan has some of the best control I've seen out of a high school pitcher. 
Um, one of the best changeups I've seen with a high school pitcher. Um, fastball is gives a lot of swing and miss, and knows how to locate it very well, and um, has a good, good attitude on the mound. All right, there you there you have some first hand scouting reports from one of the best, if not the best, draft prospect in the twenty twenty two class on some of the other top draft prospects in the twenty twenty two class. I wanted to finish up uh, asking both of you, uh, sort of, you know, this, uh, we're recording this a few days shy of Christmas, uh, and I'm curious, I can't imagine, uh, you know, I have, I have two kids, uh, they're, they're older now, uh, one boy, one girl, I I can't imagine a household of four boys at at any holiday time, Um, so your parents clearly um, should be nominated for sainthood. But I'm just I'm just curious from both of you what what is what is the holiday time like in in the Johnson house? Um, could be very chaotic for one because everybody's coming home and everybody's excited to see each other. You know the arguments start to come back and everything like that. Um, you know my um Tavell, his birthday was yesterday, so he we're celebrating his birthday also, and uh, um. It's very fun, you know, where um, everybody's mom's trying to cook cakes and cook um, holiday dinner. Grandparents are coming down to spend time with us. And we're just enjoying each other's time. So um, that's the great thing about us. We're just having fun. We're just having fun. And, um, you know, mom does a good job of trying to get everything that we want every year. And uh, it's just a fun time. Just a fun time. I guess the last thing I want to ask, because, you know, all, all four of you, it's, you know, what Tamar, Trevant, Terenz, and Travell. It's all, it, did I get all four? Did I miss somebody? Yeah, that that's all four. All right. It's all terror. Is that like, does it come from, from Terry? Is it like all variations of a theme there? Can you explain that? Yeah, it's all, um. T E R comes from our father Terry. And um my mom and my grandmother just made a combination of Tur Turvant Terence Tabell Tamar. And um the cool thing is that we realized that it says T E R and all our names have seven letters in them, if you guys didn't peep. So that's kinda that's kinda mm-hmm. unique too. That I don't know if our parents did it intentionally or not, but that's kinda cool though. <laughs> well guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, happy holidays to you and your family. And uh, tomorrow we very much look forward to watching you uh, over the course of the next uh, seven or so months and look forward to seeing uh, your name when it comes draft time. Thanks very much. I appreciate much. you guys. Thank you guys for um, doing this. I appreciate it. And thank y'all, Jenner. All right. Thank y'all. Yeah, thank you guys. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we are going to look back at some of the breakout prospects from the 2021 season. We'll do that next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Jonathan Mayo and I'm Jason Ratliff, and we are going to now look back at a story that we did in January uh, where we predicted a breakout prospect, a player on a team top 30 list who would have a breakout season in 2021. Um, Jonathan, we're going to focus on your teams. Uh, You... Now, you know, there there are some instances here where guys may have had good seasons or very good seasons, but didn't have the biggest breakout season of anyone in the system. Um, but as far as identifying the player that would have the biggest breakout season, you went one for 10. <laughs> Shame on you. You're going to yeah, revoke your yeah. guru 
this. I, I think it shows my willingness to admit that I was wrong more than anything. Uh, but sure, if you want to rip me for that, uh, no, I see no. it as a sign of growth. But, there there okay. are certainly some players uh, here on your list of teams that had very good seasons. Uh, it could certainly say breakout seasons, but like I said, like we said, uh, a guy who had a bigger breakout season. Uh, let's talk about a couple of those. Uh, first, let's talk about the one that you nailed. Uh, <laughs> that I nailed. And, and it's funny because, you know, uh, the Mariners, I predicted Nolve Marte, uh, who uh, we probably, we got tons of questions about him, uh, you know, throughout 2020. Uh, he had a huge pro debut in 2019 in the Dominican Summer League. Uh, we hit 309. He slugged 511. He stole a bunch of bases. Like really exciting. And then, of course, we didn't really see him. We were getting good reports of him. You know, as one of the youngest guys, uh, if not the youngest guy at their alternate site. Uh, but he didn't play, so we didn't know. Now he has since moved. You know, firmly and high up the the top 100, and and for good reason. And I I paused for a second, by the way, because Cade Marlowe. It was like a you know college senior sign who had a big first full season, but uh, because of Marte's age, uh, I gave him the edge. He went he went to full season ball because uh, you know he wasn't going to go to the complex league at, at this point, and then promptly went out and hit seventeen homers and stole twenty three bases in in the low A West, playing for for Modesto. Uh, showed a good approach at the plate. You know, ended up with an eight thirty one OPS. And then got bumped up to high A uh, and was only there for a handful of games, but actually performed pretty uh, admirably there at 290, you know, over the 30 or so at-bats he had there, um, you know, all while playing shortstop. Now, I, I think he probably moves over to third when all said and done, but this was a guy who, you know, aged for his level, uh, expectations he he met and, and maybe even exceeded them, which is why he's as high up on our top 100 uh, as he is. So yeah, that's the one that I quote unquote nailed. And then another one we want to focus on here, uh, the Orioles, you back in January picked Gunnar Henderson to have a breakout season. And I think it's fair to say that he did. Yeah. He had a very good year. Um, you know, uh, good power, uh, 17 homers, 16 steals. Uh, you know, he's a very exciting player. Um, you know, started seeing some time at third base. Uh, some of it's just because they have a bunch of, of guys like that. Some of his, he, he may be too, too big. He really stood out in, uh, in low a, he had a 944 OPS and he got bumped up to, to high a, where he struggled a little bit more, still good on base skills and things like that. But I, it, it, I mean, it seems unfair uh, because he did have a very good year, and I could have, I could have very easily picked him, uh, just so you wouldn't have uh, scolded me for getting so many wrong. But that's not how I roll. Um, so I ended up picking Kyle Stowers, who kind of came out of nowhere in a lot of ways. Um, he led the organization in total bases. He hit 27 homers. He even stole uh, eight bases along the way. Um, and he started out the year in high A, uh, moved pretty quickly up to double A, um, and slugged 560 in double A, made it up to triple A, uh, and hit pretty well there. Uh, went to the Arizona Fall League and then got shut down. He had some, some minor... Uh, you know, nicks and bruises, that sort of thing. And they just said, you know what? He played, he played 124 games during the course of the regular season. Uh, so he ended up being uh, my, my breakout player just because he went from kind of um, no expectations to now being you know, one of their, you know, top 10 or so prospects in a, in a very deep system. So keep an eye out for that story. Uh, we will be, both looking back at the 30 projections that were made back in January to see how those turned out and also uh, identifying the breakout prospect for each organization in 2021. All right, let us wrap up this podcast as we always do with a question from the mailbag. This one comes from the handle R Howset. 
R-H-O-U-S-E-T. He asks, she asks, uh, MLB Pipeline seems to be high on Brock Jones. Is that consensus or is he a polarizing prospect? Why is that? Yeah, so I did. I did some digging because I went and looked. I went and looked on a bunch of other lists, you know, other sites that do, uh, you know, early draft rankings, and it, and he is a little bit all over the map. Um, you know, Baseball America, their college list, he's number thirty, uh, but on D one Baseball, their college list, he's number seven. Perfect Game has him number ten on their overall list. Fangraphs has him at sixty four. You know, so he's kind of all over the map. Now, in terms of how we did our list, you know, we kind of line them up uh, based on the information that we have. And then we send it out to feedback for feedback. And we sent it out to, I don't know, close to 60 or so, you know, uh, scouting directors, national cross checkers, that sort of thing. And, And we didn't really move him from where we originally had him. There were a couple people who maybe liked Chase DeLauder, who we have at number eight, um, you know, ahead of him, uh, you know, on the list. But that was really about it. So in terms of what we got from the scouting industry, there was a good amount of consensus that where we have him was about right. Um, I, I think he's really, really interesting. This is a guy uh, who went to Stanford to play two sports. He's from Northern California. Spent a year playing football and baseball and has since been uh, focusing just on on baseball. Uh, had a really good year uh, in 2021. Hit 18 homers and stole 14 bases for Stanford. And that was really his first full year just focusing on baseball. And then showed off the tools uh, for, for Team USA over the summer. Um, you know, it's a good power-speed combination. But, I, like, I think he's got a good chance to hit. Um, and the more reps he gets and the more focused he is on that, I think it's going to show up. He's obviously a premium athlete. Um, you know, he can play uh, a very good center field. Uh, he's a left-handed hitter, I guess at the one question mark, and maybe that's where the, the divergent opinions are is, is, is him facing lefties. But I think his, his swing is short enough that, uh, he's going to be able to figure that out. He just hasn't faced that many because he hasn't played that much. But, uh, you know, he, he's got to go out and have a good spring. Um, but if he does, you know, in the Pac-12, then I think where we have him is, is right around, you know, where where he is going to go. All right. Well, thanks to R. Housett for that question. I checked out R. Housett's uh, Twitter account and our house, it is the handle. The name is Just an Egg. <laughs> and uh, the description is in the description field is solely MLB Pipeline fan. So, wow, nice. we should take more, more questions from Just an Egg. Uh, anyway, thanks to Our House for that question. Thanks very much to both Tamar Johnson and his brother Trevant for joining us on the show today. I really appreciate them joining us. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening, everybody. Happy holidays. We'll see you in the new year.